Welcome to the AFIRE Podcast. At this time of incredible stress, with millions of people infected with COVID-19 and hundreds of thousands of people dying in the first half of this year, with economies in lockdown and many of us working from home or not able to work at all, when people all over the world are protesting and insisting rightly on racial equality and justice, everyone now is asking, What can we do? How can we make this better? I'm lucky to talk today with AFIRE board member and Generale Real Estate's head of investor relations and business development, Nicholas Garattini, from his home in Milan, Italy, to help us understand the role of global institutional real estate investing to support the changes we all need to make happen. So thank you, Nicholas, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you, Gunnar, for your kind invite. I am very glad to be here. So uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, according to the time zone where you will listen to this podcast. So what do you think institutional real estate investors can or should do in this fast-changing environment? So uh, as institutional real estate, I think that, first of all, we play a pivotal role into this society because if you will, we are a bridge between the financial world and the so-called real economy, because we, yes, we manage big capital international flows, but we also need to deal with the single tenant that can be also the very local restaurant or, or shop. So that is, I think, a great role for, for us to, be, to play in that scenario. And in terms of institution, I think that due to the fact that I was mentioning before, we do have as real estate people for sure the scale to do that. And I think that we have been um, history recently proved that uh, as institution, we are basically the best size in order to drive change. Because uh, the, the point being that typically when you have uh, such an important topic as equality, or I think also like environmental awareness, you typically have this kind of um, uh, movements that are maybe starting, let's say, from, from people, because they start to feel this as, a, as an issue. But uh, it is pretty hard for people to organize them so well in order to be effective. So this is um, the first step is starting from the people. Then if you look at the government, the, for the government is um, quite hard to actually impose equality because uh, uh, governments need to actually typically recognize what is happening or try to, as I said before, find a good equilibrium between different interests. And it is hard historically for government to drive change. While for companies, they do have the say, scale, because actually even if you have 10,000 employees or 100,000 employees, it is uh, easier to have them also due to the hierarchical organization starting to listen to a common message. But companies sometimes have the powerful and the rich in terms of geography, in terms of a reputation, in order to start a new movement, to push a new idea. And I think this is really key. I think that companies have actually a very important uh, uh, social responsibility 
this is also uh, a, a great power and uh, as uh, Spider-Man says with great power comes also great responsibility so it's not very easy as a path but we need to recognize the importance that we have in this role and uh, let me give you an example I did some research um, not on, on equality specifically which is quite recent but I think that if we look back a couple of months we will see the same that actually the ESG movement started around uh, early 2000 and uh, if we can find uh, when this moment a moment when this uh, movement was born was when in uh, uh, 2004 uh, Kofi Annan the UN uh, secretary general wrote uh, a letter asking to act not to governments uh, countries or communities but he wrote uh, to 50 CEOs of the major financial institution that produced a paper that was called Who Cares Wins. And then we know that luckily that have been evolving uh, uh, quite positively that now the ESG component is quite well recognized all across the industry. But it's important to say that uh, the United Nations, that is a very important institution, decided to have this uh, kickoff from the corporate standpoint. And therefore that power was recognized uh, back in 2004 now is even more powerful what a company can do in order to promote positive messages i find it interesting with the esg developments over the last 15 years within the institutional investor marketplace is that you talk about companies being powerful agents for change i might argue that institutional investors are even more so in that they're not simply answering to i have to make money in the next quarter i have to increase my profit but they're answering to their owners which are actually regular people so if you're in, if you're investing pension money insurance money sovereign money what you're really investing is the money of of regular people uh, and of large populations uh, do you see the the institutional investor as being different from an ESG or responsibility standpoint or from a potentially even from an equality standpoint putting the money to work and making decisions that benefit the, the shareholders of institutions. Uh, yes, because I, I totally I totally agree because institutional investors have a fiduciary duty, which is uh, in the for the long term and for the largest possible community of stakeholder. That is actually affect how you if you will if you benchmark a pension fund, it is the long term value that can create for the people part of the of the fund. If you benchmark of pension fund, um, um, a sovereign wealth fund is managed, is again measured on the long term. And actually this is very important because uh, investors have been able to understand that in the long term, this is not only a way to be nice to people, but is reality, a thing that can make a, different, a difference for the future, also in terms of money. So the, the big difference that we are experiencing is that given that we are not uh, as investor necessarily short-term driven, we can uh, invest into research and to understand what are our the fruit of our investments. And therefore we can see that uh, 
this kind of investment with this component, social, environmental and governance, which is basically the, uh, the part, the acronym of ESG, and also that uh, is very broad, but includes for sure equality, is a very good investment for the generation to come. Not only because, uh, again, it's nice to do that, but because uh, re uh, returns are higher, if you want to say so. And that is in, that is um, has been possible because has been developed by investor a lot of technology that I think about uh, artificial intelligence that can factor much more than the quarterly report of a company into the analysis. So this more complex uh, word, I think, is the first step in order to cascade this positive approach also to companies. Because at the end of the day, if you will, investors are the uh, owner of the companies and they also have this, uh, again, moral obligation to push in a nice way to a company always improving themselves and I think that this is one of the key areas where companies can improve and only a long-term investor can have the, the, the strength to impose this kind of voice having also giving the company the comfort that what is being doing uh, is done for the best and not only for, for the next quarter. I love the way that you're, you're, you're separating out short-term versus the long-term and why a real estate investor specifically has to think long-term. So all these issues, if you're thinking a seven to 10-year term, whether it's sustainability-related issues or global warming-related issues, governance issues, community-based issues, and, and even equality issues, uh, impact the performance of any building over a 10-year period. And, and some of our institutional investors are actually investing for longer than 10 years. They're thinking generationally uh, with multiple decades. Therefore, the health of the community, the ability of that community to continue being successful and as many people as possible able to participate in that success is, is really contributing to the financial success of any given investment. I think it's, it's really astonishing to me that so few people outside of our industry understand that the institutional real estate investor is actually acting or trying to act, not that everyone's always successful, in the best interests, the best long-term interests of the communities that they are investing in. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree on the fact that uh, as um, I totally believe that we are somehow lucky in a sense that the real estate industry is long-term by nature. And therefore, we are also we have the privilege that we need to think we are pushed to think long term because this is how our asset class move. Uh, you touch a very important point, and I think that uh, there is also an important part on communication for real estate because the real estate is very visible. So uh, you know, you, you, there is the saying that uh, uh, um, trees, a tree that falls, made more, makes more noise than a forest that rises, and that applies to real estate, where you have uh, the say the common knowledge of people that are short-term, uh, opportunistic only capital, uh, just doing for the profit only, and we do not see all the forest uh, growing behind, because if you think now of the part of the who is the ultimate owner of a building if we go up to the very end and to the uh, real beneficial learner is very likely to be common people citizens uh, 
communities. So there is, I think, a, a lack of awareness that at the end of the day, real estate is owned by people. And this would also change a little bit the perception and will give more importance and more, say more uh, say solid voice to our asset class, to our institutions, to our governments, because I think we do play a very important role in this scheme with a fiduciary duty for the long-term wellness of people, which is not just an ESG news, but we have been doing this for a long time. See, we do have a track record. We have been managing the, the money on behalf of people for a very long time in with a long-term perspective. I totally agree that if you look at the turnover of assets, it is quite limited compared to the investment so, uh, stock because once you are a pension plan, you can refurbish your asset, you can keep it, or even if for specific reason of physiological portfolio rotation, you can sell it to another pension fund. At the end of the day, the ultimate owner of and kind of capital is the same. So we are really this kind of a long term that I think we should as a people of the industry doing the effort to raise our voice to make all of the organization more aware of the key role that we play into the society. Uh, I've been hearing for years now from institutional investors uh, concerns around specifically economic inequality and the potential negative effect this kind of separation of the very fortunate and those the uh, and the very poor how it's creating stresses around the long-term viability of a lot of the built environment um, now certainly in the last month uh, there have been more and more protests and more and more awareness around both racial and economic inequality and its negative impact on our uh, on our communities, on our countries, on, on, on people's way of life. And certainly it has a big impact on the built environment. How do you see the, the, the evolution, which even in the last 15 years, ESG has evolved as we've added new metrics, new ways to think about holding ourselves accountable and improving our, uh, specifically the, our uh, approach to sustainability and the environment. How do you think that might evolve to help us uh, work through solutions to the equality problem? I think that we are uh, at the beginning of addressing the issue of inequality, which I personally believe uh, it will be one of the main issues uh, in society in coming years. And the difference with the ESG is that at the end of the day, we are all personally, most of us, very careful how we uh, where we dispose plastic uh, to be efficient when we don't waste water. So we have this kind of personal, say, knowledge and responsibility. And also we do have some practical ways to act in the right direction. On inequality, we are moving the first steps. And uh, I think that also companies there can uh, are we are in a phase that given that the the, the solution is now to the, the problem sorry is now well recognized we need to have ideas of people everybody of us that could make them scalable enough to to reach the organization and then try to spread that movement uh, out from from there but i totally agree on the fact that uh, on the inequality will be the the next uh, issue uh, I mean, as much probably as uh, the ESG. Uh, 
And there I also see that uh, governments will have uh, uh, an important role to support uh, that kind of movement because when you have to do with social topics, the ultimate owner is uh, also the government. So when in order to have policies able to basically reallocate what we are producing, we, I think, live in a system that is uh, difficult just to do that on goodwill because anyway, in despite all the good picture that we did before, profit, profit is not uh, just a plus. It is something that we are committed to in a sense that uh, stakeholder and shareholder respect that. And we need to probably find a way or to make express and rationalize and uh, make visible that more equality is, is delivering a more value is creating a better community and that also can create a better result for everybody. If we have this kind of step plan, I think that where is where we can do that. And uh, it's not a matter of or, uh, discovering that equality provides better results. It's a matter of finding the right KPI because I do believe that that is already the case, but we also need to have a proper communication about that, a proper way to create a movement that is helping. That's uh, quite eloquent, Nicholas. I, I, I'm struck by 15 years ago when the real estate investment industry was approaching sustainability, not knowing exactly how we were going to solve uh, the problem, um, but we worked initially, uh, and I think from a uh, industry-wide, from a, a standpoint of humility and a standpoint of trying to learn how best to proceed. And we started to put some metrics to it and we started to hold ourselves accountable to those metrics. Um, I do believe that when it comes to equality, it's a profound issue. It's personal as well as governmental and institutional. Um, and we don't know the answers. We know where we want to go. Um, and I am uh, I'm heartened and optimistic that if we start putting metrics to our behaviors, if we start to figure out how we can invest uh, from the standpoint of, of supporting equality and supporting change, uh, that we will be more successful than we would have been otherwise. Would you agree? I totally agree. And I would be even more optimistic saying that as an industry, we can be rather quick. So if for ESG, we, we took, uh, let's say, 15 years, given the amount of technology that now we have and also the even more profound global connectivity, I think that we can be quicker in, address, in addressing this issue because we have more weapons in a good sense at our, uh, available to us in order to really not wait for three years in order to find a good metrics for equality, but we can do that uh, in uh, six months. 12 months and then start much more, uh, say, positive uh, path and, uh, and work on this. So I'm definitely with you even being even more uh, positive and convinced on the fact that we will get to a success even quicker than we did before for the ESG. Having said that ESG is a never-ending path at the end of the day, and I think that equality will be the same. It's something that should become into the mindset of people and then always try to improve 
because the society, the, envir the environment, they will always evolve. So, but once you have, uh, say, that uh, mindset block, it is very important to always nurture and make it uh, up to date on every single time and period. Well, Nicholas, we've we've run out of time, unfortunately, for our discussion here, but um, I'm personally uh, inspired uh, by your words and your thoughts around the importance of global institutional uh, real estate investors and how we can play uh, an even better part in the positive change uh, for our world uh, going forward. So thank you so much, uh, Nicholas, for being a part of this discussion today. Uh, thank you, Gunnar, for having me. It was really a pleasure and a very interesting uh, uh, conversation. Thank you so much again. And before we close out this podcast, I wanted to make sure we took some time to thank our underwriters, Prologis, JLL, and Holland Partners, who make it possible for AFIRE to provide programming such as these podcasts. Thank you. This podcast is produced by AFIRE, the Association for International Real Estate Investors focused on commercial property in the United States. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. None of the content is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. This is Gunnar Branson from the A-Fire podcast. Thank you for listening.